it's a safe space, Ethan. That's what it comes down to. I know I'm still working for ESPN and still working for SiriusXM and all that stuff. But for years, obviously, I would go on podcasts with Schultz and say things that I wouldn't ever say on air or on my own podcast or whatever. Yeah. Part of the beauty of podcasts is you know who the audience is, mm. give or take. And so the audience is okay with it. I know when the audience is going to clutch pearls, so don't have to worry about this being an issue somewhere else. There can be that random freak, though, who will listen just to tell on you and reveal it to the audience you don't want to hear. We know what it is. It's not even that. Not tell on you. It's that they find it so funny that they share it and then mm. they run in different circles yeah, and those yeah, different yeah. circles pick up on it. I think about that less now. It's great. I just did a podcast with my guy, Matt Kleiman. We do maybe twice a year syncing up on the media. Matt Kleiman. Matt Kleiman. Is Rich's middle name Kleiman? Let me just... <laughs> my best friend, Rich Kleiman. Uh, Matt, is, is, is his middle name Matt? Wait. I mean, he certainly <laughs> behaves like he's your best friend. We did. Oh, boy. <laughs> Sidestep in that, but yeah, it was just this feeling. <laughs> yes, ding. It was just this feeling talking with him uh, that wait a second, I don't have to worry about anything. I'm not putting anybody because a lot of it is people wondered and asked me and hypothesized maybe in an article that was critical of me if I was resentful of my former colleagues or who I was working for, and I felt like they were keeping me down. But a lot of it is I didn't want them to deal with the shit that I would uh, force them to deal with as an institution. Because when you're when you're connected to an institution and maybe that institution is a little buttoned down, there is a sense of, well, I don't want to ruin my boss's day. I don't want to make him have to deal with something that I just want to own and I just want to take right. a risk that's on me. What a good teammate. I try. I try. But now you're now you're playing golf instead of being on a basketball team. Yeah. I'm uh, doing the thing that uh, Amin and Van Lathan were talking about on that infamous podcast, uh, metaphorically. But it's working out. It's very enjoyable. We were playing, what? <laughs> that wasn't a metaphor. That was serious. <laughs> it was straightforward. No, I was saying what I'm doing analysis. is a metaphor for that. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> for the yeah. onanistic impulse. That's what I'm saying. He's jerking off, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I tried That's to what onanistic it. means. <laughs> I. <laughs> <laughs> Reminded of how the art, the essay I wrote about Nike and their ads, I, I was struggling so so hard to describe that the pitch woman in the modern ad. Oh, what's what's the word? What's the <laughs> word you use? Because I, I was like, what the fuck does that mean? I don't even know, <laughs> know how to pronounce it because I always read it as Zoftig or however. I, mean, I might even be pronouncing it wrong. <laughs> I thought it was Yiddish to be honest with you. Maybe this is this is a little ignorant on I, my on my behalf. I might have pronounced it incorrectly. I did use it, and one of the commenters caught on to me, and he said, you used it yeah. to just be able to call her husky without alerting the mm -hmm. censors and alerting the people to what just happened. So, yes, that, that is true. If you Google it, it says having a full rounded figure, <laughs> plump, <laughs> typically used of a woman. Well, I, I didn't want to be insensitive, and I didn't want hey, to be mean. Hey, but I hey, he said it. It is Yiddish. Oh, wow. It's Yiddish from German saftig, juicy. How about that? There you go. Oh, juicy. But you have no excuse for not being able to pronounce it on two levels. Okay, I yeah. suppose so. But right? look, because apparently, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I got you. But yeah, I I thought it was something that was relevant to bring up because you're going from a the pitch person is an athletic uh, just marvel. And that's part of their appeal to a husky minor 
And I thought that was worth bringing up because it demonstrates a shift, but there is that sensitivity of, man, I wouldn't want this particular individual to just be on Google one day and, and read that. I would feel badly about that. Isn't it great that your narcissism is shining through all that? Like you have this poor young woman like, yeah. huh, let me Google this what people say about this ad that I'm in. Oh my God, what is this substack that has all these reads and likes and comments? I've been written about? Well, well, she was British, so she would have she would have like a she'd have a funny British accent while she's talking about all these things. Maze, um, can you do the British accent for us? Now, Maze, she's just Googled about herself. She's stumbled upon Ethan's article, and she's very, <laughs> very interested. And then she finds the word Zoptic, and now she's Googled it and figured out what the definition is. Maze, go. Oh, this pompous American writer <laughs> dares comment on the status of my figure. This ribaldrous poppycock. I am offended. She's a fancy girl, man. It's like, King, it's like King George over here. My gosh. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know you could be offended. <laughs> Welcome to the Haber Show. I'm Tom Haberstro. That's me, Al Hassan. This is Amin Al Hassan. Welcome to the Haber Show. I'm Tom Haberstro. Amin Al Hassan. Welcome to the Haber Show. I'm Tom Haberstro. That's Amin Al Hassan. The Invisible Wall Why Athletes Shock the Media on Vaccines and Other Issues. With the subheader, Sports World Expectations versus Sports World Reality by Ethan Strauss. Can be found on the House of Strauss. Your latest work, Ethan Strauss, breaks down that fourth wall. I, I kind of felt like real world road rules was like the first. Was that the third mm. wall that was broken down when you start to do these confessionals? Like, mm. I, can, I feel like that I was a game changer. That's, that's, still that's still fourth wall. That's still fourth wall. That's fourth wall. Yeah. Yeah. I would... Uh, what are the walls? Can we go through the walls? What's the first, th- second, and third? The idea is that, like, at the the camera is the fourth wall. So the other three walls are the ones that we see. Actor faces to the right. Actor faces to the left. Actor turns around, talks this way. Actor basically addresses 350 out of the 360 uh, degrees. And the only angle they never address is that one mm, directly. That's the yes. fourth wall that's yeah. right in front of you. So, you know, it happens in movies where it's like, Good guy blows everything up and then he kind of looks at the Yeah. <laughs> he, he looks at the camera and winks or something. There's a scene in if you've seen Where the Millers with oh, Deadpool does it a lot. He talks directly yeah. to the camera. Uh if you've seen Where the Millers, there's a scene where Jennifer Aniston is strip teasing in the wor- warehouse or whatever, and everyone and the bad guys all watching, and Jason Stakers just looks and kind of kind of shrugs and has a knowing glance towards the camera. Like, yeah, we just threw in some sex here. (laughs) That's breaking the fourth wall. Ethan, you uh, posit that there is an invisible wall. And basically, athletes operate on this side of the invisible wall, parroting what are most of the social norms of their audience. It's a social contract of the NBA. Yeah, or at least like let let's call it the median media position, right? As as represented on Twitter, uh, the median position that often is arrived at instantaneously, um, and it has a just a great hive mind capacity to do that. Where suddenly you have a sense of whoa, there's just one way to feel on this issue uh, arrived at suddenly, and anything else is outside the Overton window. 
um, which I think is where most people live on a lot of different issues. Maybe the recent Chappelle special is another example. I mean, every time Chappelle comes out with a special now is an example where you look at the Rotten Tomatoes reviews and the audience loves it and it's over 90%, but you know that if you're writing for The New Yorker or you're writing for Vulture, one of these publications, NPR, NPR you're not really allowed to like this. You're not really allowed to be in, into that. So that that might be an example of uh, media opinion versus everybody else. So So when LeBron James tweets out like, couldn't have said this any better when Draymond Green is voicing a very conservative approach to this, or at least not left-leaning, hey, this is my body, and I, I it's a personal choice. What hap- whatever happened to freedom, whatever happened to HIPAA laws, essentially. And LeBron James, on one side, the media got confused there. It was like a, a little hook and ladder here where it was like, <laughs> LeBron James came out and said he got the vaccine. All right. <laughs> and he then talked like, to, he a talked few days <laughs> yeah uh, a few days later he retweets with the comment on Draymond saying yeah we should have it we should be we should be able to do our own research and basically endorsing what um the other side has been endorsing since uh, the vaccine has come out um so what you're writing is that is that there was a lot of i don't know dissonance among the media or at least uncomfortable moments in the media of, of seeing some of their most vocal NBA players coming out on the other side of this issue and being shocked by it. And this hasn't, this isn't new that, that media on Twitter, which I think is important to note is that they're voicing these opinions on Twitter uh, for the audiences instead of privately being surprised. Um, this is, this is not a new thing that's happening. You've, you've, pointed out a couple instances in your article of the media being shocked that players hold a different ideology on certain issues than the media. It's just a different culture. And I think the media projects a lot into the athletes and they, they do the calculus because I mean, your average NBA player, if they had to vote for somebody would vote for the democratic party, your average media member and prestige media would do the same as would the average person living in any city. You say your average NBA player would vote uh, Democrat. Is that what you said? I, that's my guess. You know, we haven't really done I, a survey of it. Yeah, I I would posit maybe not like Trump. Obviously, changes things. He, he in attacked a way that, NBA players. It changed the game. Yeah, well, yeah, it changed the game. But prior to that, I would say I would posit that many professional athletes, while they like to project to be Democrat slash progressive slash left leaning many of whom will vote towards their pockets. Whatever it is, it's a higher mark. It, it It's higher than what people think it would be, right? Like, I don't yes. know what that number people, is. People think, people think it's like every black player in the league, save like a handful, are voting Democrat. And I'm not sure that's the case. Yeah, it's, it's higher. And I don't want to reveal anybody's business in the specific, but yeah, it's- Andrew Bogan. It, <laughs> well, yeah, that one's not. Well, that's the funniest thing is that Andrew Boga can't vote in United States elections. So there is this funny thing of uh, he's he's a a MAGA guy, and it's like Andrew really couldn't care at all about our country. If we burned to the ground, he would find it funny. I think his exact he is a MAGA guy. He's just make Australia great again. <laughs> yeah, right? he's conservative. He's conservative. But I remember Australia. I once. 
I once asked her about Trump. He's like, oh, you know, if he won, I guess it'd be good. He'd cut my taxes. And then by the time he ruins your country, I'll just be back in Australia. <laughs> like, okay. I mean, that's and one And I'm like, the plan worked out perfectly. <laughs> it really did. It really did. Yeah. <laughs> Too bad he ruined the world, though. That's the problem. Oh, my God. Um, but – uh, yeah, there is this dissonance because I do think that jock culture especially – I mean regular people, median citizen culture is different from media culture. But we're just particularly a feat. You know, it's my people, right? A bunch of, a bunch of nerds, a uh, bunch of dorks and uh, making our livings in a very non-physical capacity. And I do think there's a huge chasm between that culture and the culture of the locker room, the culture of sports – and there is just so much to reconcile between those two things. And it's even bigger. It's even bigger than politics. It's attitudinal. And it's just funny to me. I mean, just the, I mean, the, how much am I allowed to, uh, to curse on this podcast? That's, that's something I should Fuck know. Fuck shit, bitch. Yeah. Okay, this. good yeah. to know. Yeah. yeah. Penis, yeah. I mean, vagina. the most common <laughs> thing you'll hear in the NBA when talking about a player like dismissively is he's a pussy. It's like, don't be a pussy is almost yeah. the overarching mm-hmm mantra of the nba we don't exactly tell people this we don't say that's what's going on i mean i've talked to socially justice aware coaches will just dismissively refer to a player as a pussy i mean that's that's kind of what it is and i'm not i'm not saying i'm saying right or wrong like that's the culture and i i observed it as an observer i didn't come in to the locker room going oh my god you guys need to reform yourselves you you have just these attitudes i've talked about I've talked about this before, that until I left the working for NBA teams, a guard who is six feet or shorter was referred to <laughs> as a midget guard. <laughs> probably like still that, is. That's the, that was the term. I, I probably still is, to be honest with you. Yeah. But I, like, I lo- like I had to learn, like, oh, that's not one you can use yeah. in public. And yeah. you know, I, you know, I just well, wasn't it called guard, the midget you know? when when Steve Nash would skulk along the baseline with his dribble and come out on the other side? Oh, I used to call that around the basket in eighty days. Okay, well, that's, that's also <laughs> fun. That's also fun. Um, it, but, it, but it's like yeah. it, it's funny because none of that. It, it's it's weird to say because I'm pretty sure people are going to say, "Oh yeah, like well, there are people in the South who when you." kind of MacGyver something they call that nigger rig. Is that cool? Like, well, obviously that's not cool, but also on some level, like I understand how sometimes terms lose whatever the intended offense yeah. was originally implied in there. Well, yeah, you, you asked me where a word was from, what language I had no idea, right? This happens. Your the people. Etymo- yeah. The, <laughs> the etymology of it was, was unclear. Um, but yeah, I just think that there is a cultural chasm and it's a bit mystified sometimes or obscured by players being aware of it and playing to it because they see what gets them likes. They see what gets them praise. They see what gets them written up in a good way. But every now and again, you have these moments where for whatever reason, we get an insight into, oh, this athlete culture is very different in their worldview um, than the media culture. And I know on this issue, people are going to shout that the league is 98% vaccinated. Well. Okay, I mean, if you think that, okay, I, I don't, I don't think that. I don't know what the number you don't, is. You, you think that number is in, in that's that's a fictitious number? 
Yes. I think when you have a situation where the team's head trainer is the uh, quality control officer, no, not some expert on forgeries. They're the compliance officer. The compliance officer. You know, and, and maybe we'll get to there because the, the stuff out of Canada seems kind of scary. If you want to try to, you're going to get Midnight Expressed by Trudeau. Toronto, <laughs> Toronto said, hold my beer. Oh, oh you, thought, you thought not being able to practice was hard. Yeah. Oh, let me yeah. show you something. We're going to throw it, you in jail. Yeah. I'm, 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 uh, this is what I'll say. I don't doubt the veracity of the number mm. because ultimately Shocked. these municipalities, LA, San Francisco, New York, Toronto, they're not going to say, well, the trainer said it's all right, so it's all right. Like, they, they would like nothing more than to make an example out of a high-profile person to further enforce their law in the city. Right. You really think so? so I mean, I really well, think so. I really this, think so. I, I, I talked to. Okay, so we're talking past each other. I think it's more accurate in San Francisco for the Warriors. Like Wiggins, legit got the shot. He didn't fake that. So, but okay. So this okay. This there's a lot of things I want to talk about here. Okay. So number one, I think the number has some veracity to it. Uh, I talked to someone at the mayor's office in New York, and they're a real deal about this shit. Like they're not like this isn't bullshit. Uh, they're not letting this, these dudes practice if they're not vaccinated, let alone play in a game. Mm-hmm. The second layer of this, though, Ethan, is 98% vaccinated. If, even if, I, if you were to believe with me that the number is accurate, it does not accurately reflect the ah. intentions and the beliefs. So Andrew Wiggins is vaccinated. He counts towards that 98%. Great but point. we know factually that he didn't want to. No. Right? He, he sat there on, on a podium Teary, I talk about. I hope I'm around in ten years to tell you guys how, I, motherfucker, get the fuck out of here. But point being, he represents what I believe to be a sizable portion of the league, which is just like, well, if it were up to me, if I was just a private citizen not doing shit, I wouldn't get vaccinated. But because my job is making me, whether it's directly for those in those four cities or indirectly in the sense of you want to get swabbed every day, you want to wear masks, you want to ride in a different bus, or whatever. These guys are doing that because of that. So there's part of that. That's there. The other part, Ethan, going back to if, if you were to assume the numbers are fudged because the trainers are the are the gatekeepers here, right? Then I go back to Andrew Wiggins. That's why your dumbass doesn't say I'm the one who wasn't vaccinated. Yeah, just yeah. shut the fuck up and like let people guess who it is. I don't know who it could be. But how would you? How would he do that? I mean, I think he was revealed. But I mean, I think he was revealed to be the guy. And in, in, no, uh, he least. spoke about it, and that's he how it was revealed. I think it. Well, I'd have to go back to how this all came to be, but I do think it's a different situation uh, in the cities that are really serious about it versus Oklahoma City or whatever city I want to throw out there, right? So I think it's more likely for a player to try to scoop by in one of those towns that's not so serious about it. Um, I tend to believe it with the Warriors. Lakers, I do wonder about the whole talk to Rob Palinka thing. I have no proof of anything, but this dynamic with whether it's uh, Kent Bazemore or Dwight Howard or LeBron where they go from Vax hesitant to, I talk to the modern day, not the modern day, but the heir to Fauci, Rob Palinka. And after that, I mean, it's a little bit... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because an agent specializes or tends to in getting you what you want versus forcing you to do something. So I that one's a little suspicious to me, but we don't know. I mean, the bottom line is 
this seems like a story that's going to wrap up soon. And I guess it just depends on Kyrie, um, I think. Uh, but to what you were saying, yeah, you don't know what the level of support is. I don't think 98% in part because I live in a community that's probably 80% and you don't hear any of the level of objections that you hear out of the NBA. Like there is some sort of dissonance right there. Getting back to the, the whole, um, fourth wall thing. When we were going into the bubble, I remember a bunch of my buddies and people on Twitter too, Ethan and I mean, like they were trying to get the NBA to mic up the court, to to snazz up, spice up this this bubble thing, to make it more interesting, try out some new, uh, new new I don't know features to make you know fanless games seem normal or cool. And one of the ideas was to mic up the players and just have the raw audio playing. And I remember being like, nah. No. That's not going to fly. That, like, no. I don't think the NBA or the players want them to be miked and have what they say in the in the heat of the battle um, yeah. to be recorded and disseminated. Specifically, a certain derogatory term for a, a gay person, I think, is the thing that they would be afraid Multiple of. Multiple players have gotten in trouble for this. Uh, uh, Rondo and Kobe, etc., yeah. have have been caught saying that word and then – and then, like, I don't know, it, it doesn't go – it's not going away that in on the court, right? That That's not going away. And so this idea that fans want to hear the raw stuff, I don't think – it's not that they don't want to hear that. Like, I don't think they're ready to hear that. It's just they would never get that cleared. Tom, they want they, – they think it's like, you're not so tough. Step back <laughs> in your face. Oh, my gosh. LOL. Oh, keep that same energy, blah. That's what they, they think is being they, said. They, they think they think it's like a two. It's like two people flirting over beer pong. You can't make the shot. No, I think you're gonna not make the shot. That's what they think it's gonna be. You, you know, you know how I know I'm always they're better ready. when I'm drunk. I'm not drunk enough. Sorry, I just wanted to throw that in. That's, that's, that's too too authentic, there, Tom. Uh, you know, you know how I know they're not ready because when Montrez Harrell called Luka Doncic white boy, we Punk have like a white national. Boy. Punk ass white boy. We had a national seminar, and I'm like, if you think punk ass white boy is the worst thing ever said on a basketball court, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. Like, it's this is, and 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 Ethan, Ethan, I thought you did a good job in your piece clarifying. We're not talking about whether it's right or wrong that it, that it happens. We're just telling you that's the rules of that jungle. Yes. And you try to apply the rules of civilization to the jungle because you saw a lion purr and eat out of a zookeeper's palm. He's still a lion. Yes, he comes down to time, he will grab and eat someone's arm. We've thrown them into a Darwinian circumstance. I mean, that's what we've thrown them into. We've thrown them into physical combat, not in the sense that I'm going to kill you or grievously injure you, but we're in this arena. We're being watched by millions of people, and if I do well, I'm going to make hundreds of millions of dollars. And if you don't do well when you're trying to stop me, you're going to be out of a job. And that's just not a circumstance that lends it to lends itself to kind of uh, niceties. niceties. Yes, mm. yes, it's not. Mm. And you know, I think people are actually attracted to that. I do. I think people like knowing about that. I think people like knowing about the Jordan rules. But it becomes this corporate problem if too much of it is revealed and people have to apologize and everything else. But I do think the fans 
a lot of the fans, because we say the fans generally are going to have an issue with it. A lot of fans do want that peek behind the curtain and do want that raw look at things, but it's not going to work for all the fans. And that's when it becomes a problem. Yeah. And, and with respect to Kyrie Irving, I was reading Zach Lowe's NBA preview on ESPN today. And I was like, so, so much of our prediction business is just like, are you going to be available? Is this star player going to actually play games and I don't know if the NFL has the same problem, but it just seems like the NBA has a huge issue on their hands, which is like today the Brooklyn Nets put out a like promotional package, ticket package to their uh, to their fans, to their season ticket holders. And on the the big picture, the material, the graphic had a picture of of, of KD, a picture of James Harden and a, a picture of I forget who the player was. I think it was Bruce Brown. <laughs> dunking and first of all i want to say poor blake griffin mm, such a fall from grace <laughs> the great blake griffin's on the team former lob city is not going to take that third spot in place of Kyrie irving but the brooklyn nets on their home packages uh, season ticket holders the brooklyn nets are in a position where they can't put Kyrie, the third star on there B- blake griffin speaking of the dissonance speaking of the the chasm i'm uh adorable and comedic and fun and then in my off time i am bludgeoning the hell out of my friend and trainer um you know to the point of grievous injury uh which i don't want to make light of any of Wait, that i, I, don't I missed this well, i missed this what happened you, you didn't know about that beat up the Oh, 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 um, yes, yes. Yeah. I thought this yeah. was a recent year story you're referring to. Yeah. No, no, this was a while ago. And I'm not yeah. judging. I don't know Blake Griffin. I think I'm, I enjoy, I enjoy him and, uh, his love what, of comedy, but there? well, I'm just, just saying a, that <laughs> look, <laughs> look, <laughs> I know Blake Griffin very well. I find it very enjoyable. It's a great basketball great player. <laughs> but, One of the no. best athletes ever in the NBA. But, but that does. But let that does me sh- tell you, <laughs> when it comes to punching out your trainer, <laughs> no, 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 you can't you're both. Tom, Tom, you're, you're both good. You at gotta, that. you gotta, you gotta have the. When it comes to punching out your trainer, oh you gotta have a sarcastic. What are you doing? He was on crack. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm crack. just saying. I'm just saying that that reveals that there is a fire within the man. That is being kept from the audience for the most part. Like, oh, you you wanted you the know. actual film. You wanted you wanted to see it all, Ethan. Yeah, let's see that. Let's see that. It'll make the league more popular. I mean, here's what I would want. If we talk about revealing too much versus revealing too little, I want referee post game press conferences. We're going to talk about them. Make them characters. You don't think I would have enjoyed Joey Crawford as an extra character? that we get lines from, and he's arguing with the media when they're questioning him after the game. I mean, oh. that's just something I how about, would want. How about, how about Monty McCutcheon? Mm. You think a guy dresses like that and has zero personality? <laughs> and that Monty's suit hilarious. Hilarious, <laughs> so, bud. For those who don't know, Monty McCutcheon, longtime referee since retired, would come to games dressed in 1920s oversized suits. No clue why. <laughs> Like like David Byrne, pinstripes and big bow ties and the and the hat, the bowler hat, and like uh, the ruffles and the cane and mm, mm, and yeah. like spats on. I don't even know where he gets the shit from. Yeah, he lives in yeah. Asheville. Like this is Asheville. No, yeah, he lives up in the mountains. Yeah, that's the funniest part. Can you imagine yeah. him walking down downtown Asheville like that 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 that. 
I I always wonder. I mean, we're getting a little far afield, but refs have a reputation for partying on the road a lot. I mean, they get after it. It's another like highly masculine, although it's changed in recent years, uh, profession. But traditionally, and I just wonder what what corny lines do they use when they're carousing in these bars? Do they like bring the whistle? Do they like whistle? Do they, what do they do? I always wonder because they're on the edge of fame. They're on the edge of prominence. They've got to be trying to convert. They probably brag about throwing out. LeBron one time. Oh, yeah. That's probably that's probably where they go. Are they more or less famous than us? Less famous. I mean, they're they're less name famous. They're more in the... Face famous. Joey Crawford was more famous than we are. Yes. Joey Crawford, absolutely. The, the, the profession was famous, but I don't think they're actually name famous. Talk about the characters. Dick Bavetta was more famous. Dick Bavetta, Joey Crawford, but no one's out here being like Marat Kogut is is famous. Yeah. No, right? okay. I so, would say okay. I am yeah. more famous than Kane Fitzgerald. I'll just put that out there. Wow. Yeah. Hey, Maze, we got to clip that and put it out on Twitter. Yeah. But I, mean, I don't know if I'm more famous. Media on fire. Let's I don't go. know if I'm more. I don't know if I'm more famous than Ed Malloy. I think Ed Malloy might have me beat. Ed Malloy, Ed Malloy, because he's got that look. The, the problem with Kane Fitzgerald is Kane Fitzgerald looks like every other white guy on the street. Yeah. Ed Malloy looks like Ed Malloy. Like that, yeah. you, you immediately picture him all nervous and shit, ginger, like yeah. uh, no Ed Malloy. Like, that famous line. Yeah, he's got he's got the famous line. Uh, Danny Crawford, yes, no, no. I feel like people don't know the name, but if they see him. They know Danny. No, they, they know Tony Brothers. Yeah. They know Tony Brothers. Tony yeah. Brothers. Absolutely. Tony Brothers. Tony. I thought was. I like, don't have to, Tony Brothers. Got me beat. He's got me beat. Tony Brothers. Yeah. Them, them eyebrows, man. Them eyebrows. I don't know if this is. Uh, this is like. This is, I'm not okay. Okay to say this, but when I was a kid, I thought he was like Charles Barkley's older brother. Tony Brothers. Because yes, the name brother, the name Brothers gave it away. Oh yeah. well, yeah. No, it wasn't yeah. about that. I was just like, man, he kind of <laughs> looks lo- like Charles he Barkley. looks more similar to to Chuck Terrell. That's a deep cut. I mean, I don't think how many of the podcast listeners are really gonna, you know, have a take on that one. How did we get Amin here? Amin is considering. Amin's considering. He's thinking about it. The gears are turning. Does he look? Does he look like Chuck Terrell? Uh, good question. You know, I, I tend to avoid these look like games. Uh, Ethan, I don't know if you know that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, look, nobody knows. Nobody listening has any idea. It's too deep a cut for them. So it, it is what it is. But I don't know how we got on this particular topic. I, I, look, I just like the things that can't be said. I have a form of moral Tourette's. I don't even think you're allowed to say something like moral Tourette's. Yeah, but I, I have a form say, of it. G- me- that's what I got. What can and I, I say? I was almost going to say Jesus, but I don't even know if that's okay to say. Yeah. No. Oh, so my God. I, so uh, I know. I'm so sorry. I, my mind, the way my mind works, all it does all the time is I notice something and other people can't say anything about it. I notice something. Other people can't say anything about it. I notice something. That's just all, all it happens until I release the pressure like a lanced boil. That's what happens. So yeah, and how happened. did that's you – how did you come after Mina Kimes? How did that happen? I didn't. I thought I was very gracious. I was like, hey, Mina is untouchable, okay? You don't come after uh, Mina. I did not. Did I not say she was sharp? <laughs> That's right. He did He did the, <laughs> did the Stephen A. He said, I'm going to lead with I'm going to lead with all the platitudes for Mina. Mina is the most awesome person ever. Also, Mina, the fuck did you think? <laughs> Let's do it. I mean, Stephen A. You're going to read my stuff in the Stephen A voice? Is that what's going to happen? Mina Kimes, who is very, very sharp, by the way. She does a great job at pretty much anything she tries, was a gas. 
Times had a lot of experience in sports media, but not so much on the beat in NBA locker room. Let me do it again as Skip Bayless. Oh, my God. (laughs) Well, I thought Mina Kimes, who is very, very sharp, it does a great job at pretty much anything she tries. I thought she had a lot of experience in sports media. But then I realized she didn't have so much on the beat in NBA locker rooms, and it shattered everything. <laughs> Should I do it in the cowherd? <laughs> yes. Oh, no, no. Hold on, hold on. I got one more. I got one more. Okay, okay. This is uh, Mike Greenberg. Now, Mina Cox is very sharp. It does a very good job at pretty much anything else she tries. She's a, one of the most amazing people in the media. She is, uh, she's got a lot of experience in sports media. Uh, but uh, this is just my opinion. I, I didn't talk to anybody. I haven't spoken to media. Now, I don't know anything. But in my opinion, she's not so much on the beat in NBA locker rooms. Wait, how did he turn into that? He just turned into Barack at the end there. <laughs> All right, Cowherd, go. Mina Kimes, Mina Kimes, who's sharp and does a great job <laughs> at pretty much anything she tries, was aghast. Kimes had a lot of experience in sports media, but not so much on the beat in NBA locker rooms. <laughs> that is good. That is good. I'm trying to think, should we do a Stu Gatz or a Dan here? Uh, I think we, I think we, we, we've hit for the cycle. I think we're good. Oh, hold on. I think. Let me try Stu Gatz. <laughs> um, and Amina Kimes, who's very sharp, she does a great job at pretty much anything she does. I mean, she's always better than I am at everything. And she has a lot of experience in sports media, but not so much on the beat in NBA locker rooms, and that's where the difference is, Dano. <laughs> I thought. I hope she's not offended by it if she knows about it. No. She probably doesn't, but she has a million doesn't jobs. Know about it. She, she, yeah, doesn't she doesn't know. Care about she's it. she's on a here, plane she's above. You know, yeah, she's yeah. in her ivory tower. Yeah, on NFL Live. Oh well, now, now I'm feeling I should have I, I should have criticized. I should have actually. We're punching <laughs> up. We're punching <laughs> up. Oh. <laughs> you used Mina as an example of someone outside the NBA locker room who yeah. is. I was I was ripping. By- I was ripping Mina for having an objection to anti-Semitism. <laughs> yeah. There she let's get let's get to the bottom of this ethan <laughs> how dare you have an issue with this i mean come on <laughs> it's totally fine or so i've stockholm syndrome myself into thinking uh, but there have been times there have been times <laughs> yeah um, there have been times where a spokesperson or a pr person within a team will be like walk after practice will walk by and say like to the to the little gaggle of, of reporters and say hey so that that thing over there with so-and-so player that was all off the record just wanted to make sure and then everyone oh yeah 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 yeah." and then afterwards we're like was that what did he was that a ninja move by that pr person right there because i'm pretty sure it is not off the record what if i left before he walks over <laughs> i've always thought about that like what yeah. if i leave before it's established that this wasn't cool but i guess that's the point of he's your so, article ethan is that like we you're supposed to know what's cool and what's not cool. You kind of know what's cool, what's not. I mean, I, I referenced Ben Dowsett. Um, ben Dowsett ben. thing. Oh, that was that took me back. It was like a million years ago. Yeah, it's so long I've ago. Because ne- the Warriors was everyone's favorite, nice, friendly, media-friendly team. Yeah. And then that happened, and they unleashed. And when you see Steph fucking going after people, mm-hmm. that's when you know, like, oh, shit. Like, yeah. he broke a cardinal sin on that day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was... 
to let the people know, though you should know because you should be subscribed to the House of Strauss, but yes, uh, Ben Dowsett after the Warriors, and this is 2015, winter of 2015, or maybe late fall, Warriors are on top of the world. Just, mm-hmm. we're talking this Beatles level. This is perfection. Yeah, it's, it's getting crazy. And those locker rooms are crowded. And one of the things that's happening that doesn't tend to happen is that the road media is in the locker room, which was starting to piss us off, actually. I mean, we got it. We understood. When you but say the collective of, we, you mean the reporters? Or are you consi- considering yourself part of the Warriors you know I'm, party? You know I'm talking about the reporters. You know that's my tribe. You know those are my people. And yeah, but we, the whole media... We're starting to get annoyed because it was don't you don't you have a team don't you have something to do like what are you doing making it crowded but look people just respond to incentives and it, it made sense and I think we we also understood that at some level but the the locker rooms were packed but it's creating a different dynamic because you go from everybody in the locker room is the whole media and kind of gets it and gets what to reveal and gets what not to reveal to suddenly you've got a diehard jazz fan who's writing about the jazz for Salt Lake City Hoops. And he's watching the triumphant warriors just mock his team and laugh at them. And there's something on the TV saying jazz title contenders. And according to Dowsett, Draymond's going, fuck that. You know, (laughs) just like laughing. (laughs) Which, which is the most normal thing like, you've ever seen. Yeah, that's yeah. how they feel. That's how they feel. Like, do you think they sit around in moments of privacy, fucking worried about no. people's feelings? No. They, they they talk about how they noticed the guy was injured and said, uh, and say to the other dude, I told you, put that motherfucker in a pick and roll. I mean, like, that's that it's not it's not nice. It's not nice. It's also funny. I mean, it's not all bad. I like a lot of it. I know you love it. I mean, I mean, it's, it's funny. Is the best. Oh, it's a, but what you told the story in this article is by far one of my top five favorite NBA media on the record answers, <laughs> Andre. Ever, which is Andre. This is after they beat Charlotte for twenty four in a row, if I'm not mistaken. They were at Charlotte, right? And this was the Steph homecoming game. I think game. it happened and actually in Brooklyn, if I remember. What I don't remember Charlotte. this being in Charlotte. Was it in Brooklyn? What, what happened in Charlotte was I needed a quote, and Steph had had that crazy game, and I went up to Mo Spates, and I didn't have anything good. And just Mo Spates would just say crazy things. And I, I said, like, oh, well, how'd you know he was going to go off? As Mo said, I knew he was going to go off. He's like, he had them red eyes, them red eyes of a killer. <laughs> like, Steph has red eyes now? Yeah. <laughs> There you go. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Thanks, most easy. But um, but so but anyways, uh, what I remember, you mentioned it in passing. Specifically, this was like the week of the San Bernardino, San Bernardino shootings. Yeah. The guy with the assault rifle, uh, with his wife who went in and like yeah. killed a bunch of people. It's a big deal. And Andre Andre says, like, how do you stop the Warriors? That's why I thought it was Charlotte because I thought it was twenty four in a row. Mm-hmm. At that point, they had broken the record and. And we're, maybe it was earlier than that, but I knew as they broke the record and someone asked the inevitable, how do you stop? And he said, go to the gun range, get some rifles and, and practice because the only way you can stop us <laughs> is by shooting us dead. Then he said it was a joke. Then he said, no, but for real, that's the only way to stop us. <laughs> Amazing. And then, and, and it's, but it's like, that's Andre. In the same way that Andre once uh, in a playoff, at the end of a playoff game running into the tunnel, the sports center cameras picked him up say, live on live air. Said these motherfuckers are crazy. These motherfuckers are crazy. Yeah. 
and it turned out he was talking about his own fucking hands. Like it's just, he, it's just one of those things. I'm gonna share the text that he texted me uh, about the the sub the recent sub stacking from the time, or uh, is this recent? No, the, the this recent one you one. know about because I shared. I oh. mentioned to you because I thought it was funny. Okay. And I because I think Andre doesn't give a fuck. Like Andre doesn't care. He doesn't. He doesn't. He, you, you don't. You really He's think that, he texted you that without wanting you to air that? No, he, uh, he no, texted you that so that we could. Andre operates in the exact crust where I have enough money to say fuck you, money. You're not going to change my life, uh, but I don't need to bow before the pressures of endorsement deals and and responsibilities like that. before you get to that the amazing part of that when i said amazing it wasn't about the, him making a joke about i call it the gilbert arena zone oh, yeah. you really he's kind of in it you have no no overlords i just yeah. have money and i say what the fuck i want that's the gilbert, gilbert arena zone the, the amazing part is that andre Godal walked it back and then said i'm i don't walk back shit like i don't walk back anything <laughs> actually you know what i wasn't joking oh man yeah so well i should add before saying what he said about the sub stack uh in general uh i i remember that moment when he said the gun thing and i had to write up a news report because it became a thing and you know how espn news was it wasn't a thing but ethan it wasn't i remember thinking like does nobody else think this is a pretty big fucking deal? I'm, no, it was. You, you looked maybe look it was it up. Mean. Was you, it? Maybe it was Amin. Maybe Amin was the one who emailed you and said, hey, yeah. Ethan, we need a newser on yeah. this. You have to cover this. This should be a story. Yeah. Well, it, you better it was file written, this. It was written crap. up as like, mm, no, no, bad, bad. And I got this kind of fevered call from Raymond Ritter, Warriors PR head honcho, about the article and – uh, he was saying that it should have been off the record. He like he's sorry and da 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 da. And you know he's he's mad at you is is what Ritter said. Now, that's what PR people. <laughs> that's, that's how he trick. was going to get you to change it was to yeah. To and that's and again I love Raymond Ritter, but that's the trick they try to play. And it's all everything with PR and the media. It's like sheepdog and the coyote. And you know you both know you're playing the same game in a way. And when Draymond was mad at us for like those months, or he's mad at you actually. I don't think. He yeah, yeah, I didn't think he cared. Yeah, but remember that he used to be our best friend. Yeah, and but, but he told me Andre was, and I was thinking, like, I can't see myself having some sort. Of, I can't see Andre being mad at me, like maybe annoyed, but mad. And I came up to him and I talked to him after a shoot around, and he's like, "Nah, I don't care at all. Like, I don't, care. <laughs> I don't give a shit. I'm not sorry. I, mean, I give a I shit about what you said. <laughs> like, I don't give a fuck. I, that was funny though, huh? That was funny." <laughs> Is what he said, but yeah, so he texted you this week. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, my man subscribes to your Substack. He said you nice exclamation point. I I just kind of go with like my basic line of you know I'm just trying to be an entrepreneur, trying to be an entrepreneur, Andre. You know, just trying. You're you're using you're using Andre's language right. with him. That's what you're doing right there. Well, that's exactly an entrepreneur. Yeah. That's exactly. Yeah. It's like this man's an entrepreneur. He can respect that I'm trying to be an entrepreneur in my own way. Um, and then Andre goes. He said you came at Wasserman in ESPN and you'll never get a job in media again. Exclamation point, exclamation point. <laughs> LOL. <laughs> he said it was good Not though. The lights <laughs> he said it was good though. So good. But it was just like, that's like the Andre. That's the kind of keep you off balance. Here's a compliment. Though I didn't actually read it, so I'm not giving you the compliment, but I heard a secondhand compliment. Oh, and your professional life is over. But, you know, good job. Good job, you <laughs> fucking moron. <laughs> That's what Andre's saying there. Uh, that was great, yes. but career suicide there. Good job, yeah, even. Yeah, you know, something but, to think about. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. I wonder if you asked Andre, like, sincerely, why do you think I started this Substack? 
because I'm working in media. This is media, right? Like, I guess he's, he's saying in traditional legacy media, you're not going to be working for the ESPNs of the world. What I said in response is something I hesitate to share here because it sounds arrogant and I will have to eat my words possibly and people will know that I said it, which is to never work in traditional media again would be a blessing. Now, that does set up the scenario where it's, ah, look who comes crawling back. <laughs> look who comes crawling yeah. back. But, your- but I, I love the idea that like to teach you a lesson and to humble you, they're going to rehire you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was Mr. Welcome Burns. back to the World War leader. That was Mr. Burns and Homer Simpson. He had to, Homer had to crawl through the... Uh, he had to crawl through. What was it? Was it a gutter? I don't. I don't even know what it was. But yeah, that's. Uh, but yeah, Andre is a good encapsulation. I think I, I also in the article added some other observations. The NBA is such a weird workplace because you have people of all different just mindsets that are kind yeah. of jumbled together because the biggest selection pressures are stuff like how tall are you and how coordinated are you. So it's just not as sorted, uh, sorted with a T. Um, as a lot of workplaces where you're often in a workplace where you're all the same type of person, but you have no idea because that's the only type of person you ever interact with. Right. And the NBA is different. I just like that you had to I say sorted really- with a T there just to clarify. Well, the more. NBA is sorted with a D. So yeah. you know, it is. Yeah. It's like, it didn't even cross my mind that you were saying the sorted D one. You know, there, anyway, are, there are workplaces that are sorted with a T and sorted with a D. <laughs> Thank you, Colin. No. Uh, there are uh, workplaces that are sorted uh, with a T. Uh, and now Governor Romney doesn't want that. He wants them sorted with a T. This is the most imitation heavy one we've done. Some of these locker rooms are, hey, hey, gotta say, gotta say, some of these locker rooms. <laughs> now, I, sorted with a T. Hold on, hold on, let, me, let me try and do this now. <laughs> Man, Bill, you are so right. Was? <laughs> Hey man, Waz is just a good teammate, oh, dude. No. Solid dude. Waz is just a good teammate. No, but but what I was gonna say was, Ethan. It, it, every once in a while, you fall upon an observation that I legitimately had never thought of before. A lot of your shit, like I've thought about it, I just <laughs> I've never verbalized. Yeah. But like this one, I was like, oh shit, I've never thought about that. No matter how diverse your workplace is, air quotes around diverse. Gender, uh, sexual orientation, race, uh, religion, whatever. Typically, there is a, as you called it, a narrow band of intellect and difference in, in personalities and personas and social graces that these people populate in. But when you talk about athletics, while you know, the diversity in terms of- In particular, of- the NBA, because it's genetically weeding out everybody but extremely tall people. It, short people, right? Like- well, the, the, the biggest range is the seven-footers because at that point, you basically have an NBA spot if you want it. And it's like, let's just spin the giant wheel of humanity. You know, you could not give a shit about basketball. You could give a shit about basketball. You could be smart. You could be dumb. You could literally be one of the most- Culture in the foremost minds would talk about the history of jazz and African-American history, like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, or 
you could be someone who needs to be told that three is greater than two. <laughs> yes. Like and everything and everything in between. Yes. Right? And everything in between. So that in and of itself breeds a div a intellectual diversity of some sorts. Yeah. One that as you as you early pointed out, like there's the guy who's, you know, could be a poet laureate. We would have Andre investing, venture capitalist investing as Andre does. And then you got another guy who barely knows where he is on the floor, and yet the former is subservient to the latter. Occasionally. I, I mean, occasionally. occasionally. It, it helps to be smart. I think that's an asset. Um, sure. I, yeah. It, sure, it but there are moments when the, where the best player on the team is the dumb guy. Yeah. 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 It's a it weird happens. workplace. It happens a lot. It's a weird workplace. It's why I, I was fascinated by it. It's why even though – you know, I thought going in, I might do political journalism, but I started showing up in the locker room and just thinking, this is so much more interesting. This is Hollywood stuff. This is this is just great compared to anything else, um, even if it's a surreal world in a way. And I do think that often uh, we're losing, we're almost losing touch with how weird it is just because we're not getting as much access these days and people worry about what they're sharing there's never going to be another jordan rules that's not going to happen so we're, we're, we're losing touch with it well ethan i think a lot of this would be solved if the scoreboard on twitter didn't exist mm. if we didn't know that a tweet had gotten a thousand retweets if it was two retweets over a thousand retweets i feel like a lot of the sheepness of nba twitter would go away because if you retweet something with one retweet, you're almost like sticking out and being like, you know what? I really vouch for this thing. And it's not about being um, part of the cool kids table or part of the mass. But if you see something that's like got a thousand retweets, it's almost like a validation. Or at least for the person who tweeted it, it feels like – like how often do you see someone on their – like pinned to their uh, Twitter a viral tweet? Like they're pinned – tweet on their Twitter is a viral tweet that they that they did. It's very rare to find someone in media who who puts up a a very weekly performing article as their pinned tweet, right? It's very rare to find. And I and I do think that a lot of this um a lot of the indicators that Twitter has to blast something even further, or amplify something even further, that all could be mitigated if they just got rid of the count. There was a time on Twitter, believe it or not, for people, uh, the kids out there, that Twitter did not have a count of how many retweets or likes it was. It was just retweet. There was no mm. scoreboard. And I feel maybe. like that little like lever, the, the slot machine, I feel like would not be pulled as much if there weren't any sort of scoreboard associated with Twitter that you could get a, a sense of how viral something is or get a sense of how validated your opinion would be if you retweeted this thing that thousands of other people are retweeting. I, I genuinely think that. It's interesting doing this thing that I'm doing and getting my brain rewired as to where the incentives are. I mean, I already had that hat at The Athletic where my brain started to get more wired towards subscriptions earned and to look at those metrics but now it's so much more so where I'm just thinking about I'm thinking about my Substack, I'm thinking about how it's doing, and I know that it's so it's not inversely correlated from Twitter, but it's not correlated at all as to what does well on there. I I frankly racked up a bunch of subscriptions off writing about the Oklahoma City Thunder and how they use Spycraft, and I didn't see that play out on Twitter like at all. It pretty much did nothing on Twitter. So. It gets decoupled, but then you see that there are still people who are very much into the Twitter as the scoreboard. And I 
do this really sick, twisted thing sometimes of <laughs> yes. when I'm sleepy. When I'm sleepy, I don't name search myself ordinarily. I don't look at what people are saying about me. I don't want to get distracted, except sometimes I'm falling asleep and I got to keep writing. And the most reliable way to kind of perk myself up and trigger that fight or flight is, uh, okay, let's see what the mentions are saying. Let, let's maybe, if I really need to do it, do it. Let's see what a name search is saying because then you see people attacking you, you get the fight or flight, you perk up, and also you've got a little motivation. Oh, fuck you then. You know, we'll see about it. And what I noticed the last time I did it were people mocking me for how little engagement my tweets were getting. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's it's that's their life. That's their entire life. Ratio. Their entire life ratio. is like, oh, you did all that for four retweets? <laughs> like they don't, they really cannot conceptualize. Ethan, they can't conceptualize of a world where that shit doesn't matter. Like it really blows their mind. They, like to them, like, oh, it's the same thing as when like you tweet something. At, like you tweet whatever it is, like, oh, you know, whatever you want to say. And then, oh, look at this guy, clickbait. I'm like, I don't even have an article. <laughs> what am I, what am I, where's the clickbait? Where am I sending you to? Well, I felt very vain when I saw it. I, I felt just like, wait a second, I'm crushing it right now on Substack. I need to start. Is there a way I can show that? Is there a way I can start yeah. showing some charts? You and know, then just hashtag receipts. Yeah, I mean, but it's so stupid. It's just, again, just focus on doing what you need to do and the rest will follow. But uh, it was just interesting because they were me at a certain point. I was probably wrapped up in that and conflating that with success itself. And it took a while to realize that it's not one and the same. But then it's also weird. I, I sometimes wonder if I should participate more. I, I, I know that I'm not a good tweeter because I just share my links and everything else. And I, I wonder, well, should I? be sharing more opinions you know it just sucks it just feels like it's such a terrible place to do it it's just exhausting i just think a lot of the energy that you burn on twitter and social media and instagram etc etc it's exhausting it's exhausting having to keep up with all that well and you just know people are gonna you know people are just gonna have an objection and they're gonna project and i think i said it was interesting to me that during the Chappelle special he said uh, the the biggest applause line, probably by far, was when he said something like "fuck Twitter." Twitter is not real life, and the crowd it's roared like not a real crazy. place. It's, it's not, not a real, real place, place, is what he said, and the crowd roared like crazy. And I think I tweeted something like, "It's interesting, I got the biggest applause line," and I didn't even read the responses because I knew that it would just be. <laughs> I just knew it would be like negative. We get it. Yeah, you hate Twitter. Yeah, it would just. We be, get it. But but I wasn't saying anything more than. That's interesting to me. I literally am just saying that's interesting to me. I don't know if that's the crowd saying it's not real life, but it has influence and I hate that. Or I love that you might be the rebellion against it being real life. Or I don't consider it real life. Thank you for telling me that. Or just everything combined. But it's weird because I view Twitter as something that not everybody uses so the idea that this whole crowd of comedy fans who are probably the most broad f crowd of comedy fans you're ever going to get because this is the most famous comedian right now um that they roared more to that than anything else that was interesting it was one of the things that i find fascinating and i and i, I hate that this is just 60 minutes of pumping up your your work ethan i hate that um and this is just one 60 minute ad ad advertisement for ethan slow news week 
one of the fascinating things I find, Ethan, is how surprised I am that there's like thoughtful responses in the comment section. Because oh, I've yeah. been so conditioned to look at replies. Oh, you're talking about on my, and, on my Substack? Yes, yeah? on your yeah. Substack articles, reading the comments in your Substack articles and being like, actually, this is intellectually uh, stimulating, is reading these yeah. these comments that are like, hey, good article. Uh, had you thought about this? One thing I really yeah. like about this article is that it points this out. And I was like, I don't remember the last time it's I crazy. read a tweet reply yeah. or a comment on an article that was just like, Hey man, this was really good. I really appreciated these thoughts. I didn't really consider this before. And I was just kind of blown away by how new that felt. Yeah. To read yeah. commentary on a on a media piece that was positive and like not just well read the shit. Let me just say also we have to acknowledge there's a there's a level of self-selection bias going on but there. that's the beauty these of are it. people who are paying ethan money <laughs> to read this stuff so the I, it's just like how many people go to the Chappelle show and say Mm-mm, not funny david Chappelle. like no you knew what you were getting when you paid you know, for the I ticket i get that i get that part but, but what i'm still, saying but is it's that still jarring Twitter- what tom's saying is it's jarring on its face like you you know the reasons for why it is but you see it so exactly. rarely that it's still jarring and it's been jarring for me, but it's been cool. I mean, um, I do a thing. I mean, where if you are a founding member who gives more money, then I just do a 30 minute phone call. And I think I went into it wor- worried about it in a way of just what is this going to be like? But it's been are awesome. people signing up to talk to you on the phone? <laughs> it's like cameo. It's like cameo, but uh, oh, but like oh, nice flip it on a mean right there. Being like, yeah, oh, you yeah. do cameo. Oh, well, What's the difference? Shit. Yeah. yeah. The difference is I don't give them my number. <laughs> well, who says if it's my number or not, right? I mean, maybe th- there are ways. Wait, but- I mean, I mean, you told me off the air that you're a founding member of Ethan's <laughs> Substack. I am. I'm not. I'm just going to get phone calls. <laughs> oh, I thought you did, well, you were aware of all the perks that you get. As yeah. A well, you, you guys get the calls for free. So you're very, very lucky. But, my, oh, there it is. but my point, my point is that they're smart people, man. <laughs> You know, that's why on the uh, the weekend threads, I just basically say, hey, what do you want to hear? Because I get yeah. good ideas. Like, I kind of delegate look to this, them. Look at this motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I've never seen a heavier pandering towards an audience. <laughs> he just said, they're smart people. I, I throw it up to them and they give me suggestions on what to write about. You should pay Shut them, Ethan. Shut up, man. Well, pandering yeah, plus exactly. delegating. You know, pandering yeah. plus Stugat- the Stugats is strong in you. <laughs> hey, oh, really want to hear your thoughts. I really enjoy these conversations you are having. Oh, let me take a pen out real quick. <laughs> I mean, it's it just I think Twitter and well, I guess you're right about it. I mean, you've been very vocal about the fact that Instagram is a lot more enjoyable experience than uh, 1, Twitter. thousand percent. Because 1, Instagram. But, but like, I think that's a very... Yeah, I was. Terrible. I was yeah. just gonna say, unless you're uh, not a male, um, I think this is Instagram is generally a, a much more negative space. Well, the funny thing about Instagram, and this is a Matt Kleiman observation, but the funny thing about Instagram, there's this grand irony to it where the nerds have created something where the jocks just totally dominate and win. It's like the nerds got together with their code uh, and studiously said, mm, "Let's get together and." Find a place where the people who are cool in high school uh, find a way to just be cool forever, like deep into their 30s, if not 40s, and just get to broadcast how good looking they are and active they are. Let's build that. That's that's what Instagram is. It's the revenge of the jocks.
I find that Instagram, Instagram, for the most part, again, I'm not talking about obviously body dysmorphia and all the issues that women go through as a result of being judged literally just for their looks or anything else, but as a content creator, comedians, uh, people who are like in TV shows, whatever, people who are like us who have, you post some shit, people like it, they leave a ha-ha or a fire emoji or whatever. Every once in a while, you get the one guy who's like, I think this shit sucks or whatever. But for the most part, the comments are overwhelmingly positive and supportive. As opposed to on Twitter, literally everything has offended somebody in some sort of way. Yeah. Every single thing you say. Twitter Twitter feels like a bad marriage. Like Twitter just feels <laughs> like, you know... <laughs> the love is lost you know they're going to be angry no matter what you say I, i'm not talking about my own marriage i have a very good marriage but it just seems like a, a bad yeah, relationship Allie. a bad <laughs> relationship <laughs> where whatever you say it's like oh so that's what you think you know yeah yes yes so tom you and i and kate fagan and howard bryant did something about the nwsl wait wait the nwsl is, twitter is a bad marriage and instagram is a glorious affair that's what it is <laughs> no. it's not a bad analogy hey babe that's instagram like oh, i missed you babe no but, but tom, tom and me and kate fagan and howard bryant did uh, a thing about the NWSL scandal that happened uh, in with the coach who had been sexually coercing players uh, and all other types of violations, or whatever. And and Kate, one of the things that got clipped by Meadowlark and spread around uh, is Kate saying, "Look, you don't have to be a fervent supporter of women's sports." Just don't go out of your way. Ethan comes back with a beer in his hand. Just don't go out of your way to denigrate it or tear it down. I don't need your fancy foreign beers, Ethan. No, it's a LaCroix. It's, it's, it's a LaCroix. Not, I know. Man. They can't see they can't see it, assholes. It's theater. Well, of the apparently mind. neither can you. I thought you were trying to boost your normie cred right there and just pretend like you didn't you didn't know. So but anyway, so 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 Kate, but you think that's elitist fucking beverage right there, LaCroix? Kind of. Is it not? Is it not Shut a millennial? Get the fuck out of here. You can no. buy that at Walmart. It's not elitist. Yeah. It's not elitist at all. Uh, so Kate says this, this impassioned plea of like, yo, at the very least, just stop shitting on it. And I thought like that was like, wow, that feels like the bare minimum anyone could yeah, ask. That's fair. Right? Yeah, that's and a fair compliment. There were so many responses <laughs> that seemed insistent on like, no, I have to shit on it. Like I must, I must, and I'm like, that's Twitter. I do get a better product, and then I won't shit on it. I'm like, you just shit on it. (laughs) But also, like, really, do you go around shitting on fucking I don't know, uh, uh, like Payless sneakers? You go up to Payless and talk shit to the people there. You you just like flip through the channels to a channel you don't watch, and you're just like, and then just fucking shit on it. You cur- you open your curse. Just go on Twitter and just be like, I hate this show. That's this how I felt dumb. about there. There was a review written in a, a major publication that was shitting on my newsletter, and a person was saying that what I wish Ethan wrote about. I was just thinking, you're not a subscriber. I don't understand this. I have no idea what's going on here. I mean, this is like complaining about a restaurant in another country. It's just you only you only want it. <laughs> you only get it if you want it. I mean, really. It's mind-boggling. And again, the thing that kills me 
at the end of the day, for all of this, again, Twitter's Twitter, fans are fans, people are stupid, whatever. But when you talk about the people who we look at as some sort of gatekeepers, mm-hmm. how much of it is true, honest to God, genuine, this is how I feel, how much of it is performative? We'll never know. And what's complicated is that sometimes people rewire their brain according to what's working performatively because nobody wants to feel like a phony, right? Nobody wants to feel like a fake. We all have that degree of separation between the public and the private persona, but we don't want those things generally to be so far apart. So you do see instances of people becoming different people to fit themselves to what's working. I've seen that, at least. I'm convinced of it. Without being able to read somebody's mind, I feel like I've seen it. So, Ethan, I before we started recording, I asked you a question. I told you to think about the answer. And so now I'm going to ask the question on the record. You write, I think, very well. You describe very uh, accurately the forces that are at work with NBA Twitter in particular, but a lot of it is general Twitter culture. Uh, overall. And I asked you, is there any part of you that feels kind of, not hypocritical, but just kind of cognitive dissonance that the stuff that you write about this space literally only appeals to people who are already in this space? Like, not appeals, it only applies Meaning the people who are not operating and like me and Tom and you and the, the people that we're talking about who are being performative, we all understand what you're talking about. Some of us agree, some of us don't agree, whatever, but we all understand what you're talking about. But the vast majority of people who are not on Twitter, a lot of this has to feel like a foreign language. You would think so, but I don't get too much of that feedback. Maybe that's because I'm curating it according to the people who would be interested in it. I mean, regardless if I did or didn't, uh, the weird beliefs that Twitter tends to boost do become influential and do become mainstream and do reorient the society. And ultimately, I don't know what I'm doing. I feel like the Joker. It's like I wouldn't even know what to do if I like if I if I caught if I if I caught I'm like the dog chasing the mail truck. I wouldn't know what to do if I caught it. You know, I've got that sort of mentality. If I just describe what I see and whatever happens, happens. Like a Paul Giamatti as a Joker. <laughs> like that. We're just gonna do them all. Um, you mean Paul Giamatti as a joker real quick (laughs) I can only do Paul Giamatti from John Adams that's the only way it works in my head because he's never yelling like that in billions you know how about Zach Zach De La Roca as the joker (laughs) Zach De La Roca is the same thing as the Paul Giamatti no no no. I'm trying to make the point I'm trying to make the point because I'm losing my thread on it Um, I do think it matters and ultimately I sometimes hope that somebody of influence will see it and get things back on a more sane path or a better path. And I would like the NBA to improve a lot of how it's connecting with people, a lot of how it's doing its messaging. I thought the new ad they had on on NBA 75 was pretty good. And I think that they made a a, a serious mistake. And I saw people misunderstanding what, what I was saying the mistake was. And I think some of that's because a lot of it was behind a paywall. But they thought it was about I was saying when I said the Twitterization of the NBA has heard it, some of the people who saw that thought I was saying that it was left-wing politics or something like that. And my point was actually that the NFL has a lot of this stuff and it hasn't heard it. And I think the reason for that is that the NBA, it got way too much into Twitter. 
like it became way too much a part of their strategy. At every single media day, they would march they would march the rookies up to a station and get them authenticated in all the social media platforms. And they thought it was their path to power. They really did. They thought that this was the reason that we were going to Adam Silver himself said it. People give people give me a lot of shit and say, why do you talk about ratings? Da, 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 da. The NBA's not worried. I go, Adam Silver told us that Twitter would boost the ratings, and now it's half. Their audience is half of what it was when he said it would. So something went something went wrong. Is it because they embraced it? Is it because they embraced it or they didn't take control? It might have been. I mean, it's complicated. Because I feel like I feel like if the strategy is sound if you are controlling mm. the conversation. I okay, I agree with and you instead, so much. Instead, they were like yeah. Go ahead, everyone. You tell us what to exactly. do. Exactly. So that's what I think. I think uh, corporations work well when you have a strong visionary leader giving people direction, not as a total dictator, but you've got that vision. And Adam Silver's vision was effectively let Twitter decide it. Um, we've got all these disparate voices, and they're going to control the messaging of what the league is. And we're just going to leave it to them and it's going to work for us. I don't think it works for them. I think you've got to have a strong message to your audience about what your game is, about what it is about. I mean, that's redundant, but you know what I'm saying? That like you've, you, and it could be corny, but at least let it be something. You know, I love this game isn't genius, but that's a message and people remember it. And all people were remembering eventually with NBA was all the Twitter noise and, oh, man, there's the the rocket ship emoji because DeAndre Jordan wants to leave and it's this Twitter thing and it's that Twitter thing and where are people going to go? And it's just, I mean... To me, that's the harmless stuff. That's the stuff that helps. It, 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 it pushes the conversation along. The, the harmful stuff is when you're culling what the talking points for tonight's broadcast are going to be from Twitter. Uh, or when n- transactional news becomes the king. Yeah, the argument I'm making, and I know people would push back, and it seems crazy. I know it seems crazy. But I do think it infected the brain. I do think it infected the NBA brain to a degree. And we were naive to it. We were, we were smoking cigarettes in the 1940s mentally. Uh, as collectively, as a league, as media, because media takes the cues of what the league emphasizes, and Twitter embraced. I and mean, that's sort of that's what I was trying to demonstrate in the article. Whether or not you think I'm right that it had a negative impact on audience resonance, I wanted to at least portray because I hadn't really seen it portrayed fully that this was an intentional strategy that was top down and was different than what you saw from the other leagues. That the NBA, in the specific, after Adam Silver took over, said, we are the league of Twitter. Twitter is helping us. Jack Dorsey and Adam Silver, every year, having their uh, annual, I can't even remember what the conference is, but thick as thieves and trying to boost one another's uh, properties. And ultimately, Jack Dorsey, I think, won that. And I think the NBA lost in the end. That's the argument that I'm making, and you don't necessarily have to buy the argument that it had a negative effect, but I at least want to leave people with the impression that what the NBA did strategically was different here. Oh, man, I feel like we could go on for hours about this. Uh, his name is Ethan Strauss. His, we could find his work at houseofstrauss.subtext.com. Yep. Right? Is that right? Indeed. Indeed. Subscribe and put his kids through college, or his kid. Yeah, his kid, kid, yeah. He's college. one kid now, yeah. Yeah. That I know of. Uh-huh. Dog walker. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. 
Because toxic masculinity says, I don't know where I spread oh, my seed. A lot of time on the road oh. as a beat writer. Oh, you guys are disgusting, <laughs> and this is awful, and I can't wait until it's off the air. Uh, okay. Tom is so disgusted, he left. He's just like, fuck this Next shit. Substack article will be a dry snitching on a beat writer's road life. That will be the next thing, so uh, subscribe today. Nice. Well, what is the next one? You you did tell us what you were going to write about. Do you want to give the people? It might be out by the time this is out. I don't know, but it will be on the tampering charge hovering over the bulls that might really derail their future. Uh, that I don't think people are really talking about. That I think is just coming at the heart of the war between Shams and and Woj. And I I love it as a topic. I. I don't try to write it from any sort of uh, perspective of who's in the right or the wrong, but there's something interesting about two guys going to war over being first and the Chicago Bulls suffering for it, which is what I think we're seeing. So that's what the article's about. Really quick, because this is happening in the news. I don't know if you had any thoughts one way or another about it, but the former NBA players who have been indicted and charged with uh, fraud uh, with, with regards to the NBA uh, health and wellness benefits program and any sort of couch potato armchair legal expert it just seems like a great coen brothers movie that was my thought i was i was hoping i mean i know the coen brothers exclusively make uh very white movies uh, as as a hollywood rule but <laughs> they should maybe file this one away 18 guys four million dollars in fraud i felt like this didn't need to be this is like when the the scheme thing. Yeah, Remember yeah. when they did this whole? Did you and you see the? Uh, they had the chart and the chart looks like basketballs on a rack. Uh, yeah, and I'm just like, we're fucking lax. It's four million dollars. Yeah, I think uh, like it comes. Maybe they want to get famous. The people who prosecute these crimes and they see it's an easy way to get in the news to get uh, you know, big baby Davis on some charges. We're literally talking about two hundred grand a person <laughs> on average. Like, what are we doing? Why is this? Yeah. So, is it Southern District of New York? Fuck you, whatever. Well, I think maybe if you wanted to ask the question of, I mean, this is an eventual article by me, but the amount of fraud in the NBA of uh, players being defrauded, uh, and I think it's only going to get worse in part because of Instagram, as you mentioned. Uh, you think mentioned, it gets worse? Because there are just more ways to get it. Well, I guys. it gets, but I think it's better because now, like, it, 20 years ago you just didn't know any better and now it's like there seems to be a lot more checks and balances but there is in that regard there's such a way to get at guys and i think crypto is now part of it where you can kind of create that sense uh, of oh trains leaving the station you got to invest you know this could become the um but the i i guess one might wonder why those crimes which i still can't believe that kevin garnett got hit up for he got robbed of 77 million dollars not only that he got robbed, he got robbed by a guy who he testified on his behalf After that guy in another case where he was defrauding someone else. And that someone else was Tim Duncan. I mean, again, <laughs> there's something weird that these are not bigger stories. At that point, you deserve to lose $77 But million. don't you think maybe that was just Kevin Garnett's famous hatred of Tim Duncan clouding his judgment? Yeah.